series called Walk It Out, so I had to bring the song with me today. Now, I know some of y'all that was in the club, y'all was like, oh, Jesus, he bought this. Don't move, don't move. Oh, oh, oh. I know you was, you had to hold it together. I know. So 2005, that song dropped, and it was in every radio station, every movie, and we're in the series called Walk It Out. Walking it out is about carrying out the things that you have intended in your mind, whatever that is. Now, from the street standpoint, typically if somebody tells you to walk it out, that normally means uh, not something good. <laughs> we're about to walk this out. We're about to step outside. We're about to uh, have this argument. I'm about to do something to you. Whatever, but walk it out for us today is about carrying out the thing that God has called us to. It's about our posture. It's about how we carry ourselves. It's how we act, how we behave, who we represent when we call ourselves a Christian. So I'm hoping that, number one, I'm going to keep your attention. I'm going to help you learn some things today and that we leave out of here really understanding what God wants us to do. See, on this Imagine Wall over here, the first line I love, it says that we're a church full of grace for those who are seeking and that we will go to any length to tell somebody God loves them. I believe that with all my heart. And I think in today's message, I want to portray to you what I think Paul says to help us to do that well. I want to give you the tools that I think God gave me through his writings. And then I want to challenge you to do what the song says and to walk it out. You can't leave here and say, well, I didn't know. I was supposed to do that. I'm supposed to treat people that way. Yes, you're going to know all the above when we leave out of here today. Now, I grew up as a musician in this area here, right here in Lake County, and it was a blessing and a curse. It was good and bad. Uh, it was good on some parts. Why? Because I got exposed to a lot of people. I got to go a lot of places. Um, I got to see some amazing things. I got to partner with some great and incredible ministries, so much of what I've learned and been able to hopefully do well today is because of that type of exposure. Now, the curse part, I saw and heard a lot of stuff that I probably shouldn't have seen or heard. I was in some conversations, and I was like, ooh, you the pastor? Jesus, I'm glad I don't go here. I watch people do stuff. I watch folks claim Jesus on the stage, shout all over the room, and cuss people clean out right after church. It's all mess, foolishness, marriages falling apart, parents that didn't care nothing about their kids. I saw folks that talked about Jesus and couldn't love after they left the stage. I saw a lot of things that, for me, made me almost just say, I don't want nothing to do with church, period. Then God messed around and said, but I want you to be a pastor. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. You got the wrong one, Jesus. Why would I want to do that? Do you see this? I'm not trying to do that. That don't look like nothing I wanted. So it was, it was this crazy dichotomy of, yeah, I saw some good things, but I also saw some crazy stuff. And when I was fast forward all these years, the conversation, the return, the journey comes up. You all look, I've been a part of church for so long, literally since childhood. Anybody ever been to places where it just seemed like folks was making it hard to get to know Jesus? Like, I want to know Jesus. Why are you making it difficult? I wanted to be here before I met you. <laughs> I really wanted to pray. I really did. And then you made me mad because you did stupid stuff. I struggled with that 
And then the opportunity to come to Journey came up and they didn't have to sell me very much because Journey's mission statement, whether you realize it or not, very simple, making it easy to find and experience God. Oh, yes, God. You gonna make it easy? You wanna make it so that people actually wanna come. We're not gonna make it difficult for people that wanna get to know Jesus. Because here's the thing, is living for him always easy? No. But finding him and experiencing him shouldn't be difficult. Anytime I'm in the house of God, it should be easy for me to find and experience him because you're here. Anytime I meet you at the grocery store, I should be easily finding and experiencing God because you're supposed to have him in you. But when we don't carry him properly, when we don't live out his commandments, when we don't love the way that he loved, we can make it really hard for people to find God. And we do not want to be that church. So this phrase, making it easy, it really comes from the book of Acts. And it's in Acts chapter 15, just to give you a little bit of background of the story. So Peter has this vision from God in which God tells Peter, I want you to start preaching to the Gentile nations. And for the Jewish nation at that time, that was like a no-no. What do you mean? No, we're the chosen ones. Everybody else is on the outside. And Peter starts going to the Gentiles, and they start not just getting saved, they start getting filled with the Holy Ghost. These folks are speaking in tongues. They are showing the evidence of everything that salvation, would, you would look at and say you're supposed to have if you're the Jewish nation. And it is confusing some of the Jewish nation. Now, you all hear me use the term super saints. Some of the super saints from Judea was like, oh, no, how we feel about this. So they started teaching a new doctrine. And their new doctrine was, okay, that's great that you accepted Christ. Yep, that's great that you're speaking in tongues. However, you can't be saved until you get circumcised. Now, look, y'all, if I'm a Gentile and I'm accepting Christ and I'm speaking in tongues and some brother start walking up to me with a knife talking about, hey, it's one more step. <laughs> No, wait, hey, I don't know if I want this Jesus that bad. Wait. They start preaching this thing, and you know what? Can I tell you something? When people start putting actions on salvation, you can't be saved unless you do X. Until you finish this class, until you do this thing, until you show me this, you can't be saved. You got to be real careful with that type of teaching. Because the Bible says that it's not by works lest any man would boast. Lest you would brag about what you've done, what you accomplished, how you earned this salvation. When the reality is, not one of us can earn any of it. We should be obedient, yes, because of what God already did. He, uh, Jesus already died. He already paid the price. Having salvation is as easy as you picking it up and just owning it. Not because of anything you've done. Because of what Jesus already did. So they're putting added weight. They're putting added turmoil onto the Gentiles by saying, you don't really have Christ until you take this next step. So there's a big convocation. There's a big meeting. We got to talk about this. How are we going to handle this? The elders, the apostles, they're all coming together in Jerusalem. And James stands up in Acts chapter 15. And in verse 19, he says, my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Another version of this says we should not burden these outsiders who are turning to God. 
And this was what they decided to do. We're not going to make this harder than it has to be. If you're accepting Christ and the fruit of God is being manifest in your life, hey, it's certain stuff, yeah, we don't want you really doing, but other than that, we're going to let God deal with your life, your change, all the above. And I'm glad the Journey Church takes that same stance. We're not here to put extra stuff in your way. We're not here to make your life hard or make it difficult. We are going to preach the word of God 100%. We're not going to water that down for anybody. But at the same time, what we're not doing is adding additional things that you need to do or need to accomplish that Jesus never said needed to happen. Sometimes growing up, you know, it was difficult because you would see people who were struggling with questions, having a hard time with some of the church traditions. Or God forbid you get caught actually sinning. You find yourself outside the circle of trust real quick. With everybody looking down on you, treating you. And it's like, hey, look, first of all, last I checked, every last one of us has sinned. And when the Bible says that we should, that our strong should carry the burdens of those who are weak, Paul even took it further. He said, hey, you should uh, treat them with loving kindness and gentleness. Let something like that come upon you. These are things that we have to remember and keep in mind. Jesus himself was speaking about the religious leaders of his day. And in Matthew 23, verse 1 through 4, he said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. He said, so practice and obey whatever they tell you. And then Jesus got petty. He said, but don't follow their example. <laughs> but they don't practice what they preach. Woo! Jesus is in the synagogue in front of the Pharisees, talking to people, saying, hey, yes, everything they tell you to do, you should do it. But you know what you don't do? Do what they do. Some of you know people like that. Some of us know folks that talk a great game. But you know what they would always say? I'm not really listening to your words. I'm looking at your actions. Because your actions always speak louder. Your actions show what you actually believe. I can say anything. But my actions are going to tell you if I actually meant what I said. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves sitting inside of this building as Christians in churches across our nation, and we'll just be inside hoarding Jesus to ourselves and making it real hard for anybody else that wants to come here to have a piece of him. And here's the thing, salvation is free. Jesus commanded us to go into the world and to give it away. We want to put you through a process to see if you really deserve it. No, I'm not saying that all secret societies and fraternities and sororities are hazing organizations. Because I know the tagline. We are a non-hazing organization. I know. However, I did go to college. <laughs> and I found out not all of them organizations were telling the truth. And you would meet people and you'd be like, why y'all do this crazy stuff to people? And you wanted the, the craziest answers you would get. Well, that's what I had to go through. Wait! That don't mean you got to do it to everybody else. Well, if I had to go through it, it had to prove that I did No, we're not treating the church like a secret organization. You don't have to prove your way in. Because if we did, none of us would be here. No, this is an open door. This is free for everybody. Whosoever will come to God, he wants you, and he's not trying to make it hard for you to have him. 
It reminds me, anybody, I know it's Christmas season coming up after uh, we finally get past Thanksgiving and all my folks down here that love Christmas have been listening to the song for six months can finally celebrate Christmas the right way. <laughs> anybody here seen Home Alone, the first one? About a thousand times. Now, I don't know how they left that boy two more times in the movies, but the first one was the best one. And Kevin was left home by himself. And them thieves at the end was trying to get in, and Kevin said, I got something for y'all. I got a clip of Home Alone. I'm going to show you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine with me for a moment that Kevin is not a child. Kevin is Christians inside the church. And the folks trying to get in are the people that Jesus has drawn to the body of Christ. Y'all do that for me. Just imagine that for just a second. Let's go ahead and play that clip. church sometimes <laughs> they be treating you all you trying to come in they got stuff in the way they got stuff all over the place every door you come into it's a problem something's wrong with you you need to fix this you need to change that you just want to see Jesus and after you done fell and you laying on your back they be looking at you so are you ready to give up or you're thirsty for more <laughs> come on we're not supposed to make it this hard y'all people are supposed to come inside we're not supposed to meet them at the door and make it difficult. Every entrance, every way in is a problem. We can't be those people. Look at this in Matthew chapter 23, verse 13. Jesus tells us how he feels. Now, if you want to read something crazy, read Matthew 23 and listen to how Jesus basically goes off on religious figures. It reminds me of what I cannot be because it's literally Jesus speaking. In verse 13, Jesus says in the message version, I've had it with you. <laughs> That's not what I want Jesus to say to me. I've had it with you. You're hopeless, you religious scholars, you people who study religious law, you people who swear you know more. Pharisees, he calls them frauds. He says, your lives are roadblocks to God's kingdom. You refuse to enter, and you won't let anyone else enter in either. That's scary. He says, the kingdom is here for you. You don't go in yourself, and then you stand at the door and block everybody else from going too. Where your very life, your very words become a roadblock, and I need us to understand that our job as Christians is not to make it hard. We're supposed to be, if we're in this movie, we're supposed to be picking up the obstacles. We're supposed to be making it easier for people to get into the building. Let me help you all out. I'm going to show you. Here, this is us. Can I show you what the church do to folks? Hold on a minute. I'm going to help you understand how the church do people. You come in, they be like, oh, wait a minute. Hey, you got a hat on your head. Stumbling block. I know he didn't come in here with his pants sagging. 
Oh, first time visitors, stand up and say something to the whole church. Hey, I'm going to throw out two on that one, because that right there, folks be like, and then they be like, come on, brother, say something now, say something. I'm never coming back. <laughs> Stumbling block. <laughs> you come in, and you go to certain churches, they be like, uh-uh, women can't wear, church, wear pants here. No, no, you're not welcome. Hey, if you're a lady and it's a funeral, you have to speak at that thing over there. Sorry. Blocks. We look at folks. Uh-uh, no, no, no. You you don't have enough faith or you wouldn't be sick like that. Oh, here's the one that really kills me. Oh, I know you live in sin and everything, but ooh, you so talented. And then they pick up a couple of them. And for the other folks that's standing there looking at that foolishness, stumbling blocks because you just sat me down for the same thing two months ago. Oh, stumbling blocks. You know, look, the church, this is the church, the church of the living God. Stumbling blocks. Folks come in and want to know Jesus, but you know what? Until you actually learn all the language and speak in the Christianese that we speak here, you can't have them. Sorry, you didn't speak in tongues. You must not be saved. Oh, stumbling blocks, and we just throw them around. Just making it hard for people. Folks who want to know who Jesus is, people who desire to know what the love of God feels like. And when they come in the door and the first thing you say is uh, that T-shirt you got on is too short. That dress you got on. Let's baby. Look, put this little shawl on. They're not coming back. So then as a church, here's what we do. We walk around. Everybody, come on. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants you. Yes. Come on. Come to Jesus. Will there be one? Will there be one? Come on up here. Well, yeah, we're going to make it a little difficult. Just step over that. But come on, everybody. Everybody loves Jesus. Jesus wants you. And we just become the church that has made it real hard. Because no matter who you are, we got something for you. No matter what you go through, no matter what it looks like. You having problems in your marriage? Oh, you can't serve here. Oh, but the pastor just got divorced six months ago, and he's still preaching? Oh, stumbling block. I grew up watching this foolishness. I grew up watching it. Y'all, look, my pastor got divorced. My minister of music got divorced. My youth pastor got divorced. I watched my parents live as roommates, but swear they love God. I watched foolishness happen. I watched folks serve on the deacon board. Really looked like you loved your wife. Was sleeping with two other folks at the church. And I'm supposed to want Jesus? You're not living in a way that makes this easy for me to find and experience God. You make it easy for me to want to find my way out of this building. Why would I want to experience something that you don't even show yourself? Oh, but God is love. He's a good, good father. Yeah, but you ain't. Your kids can't stand you. 
pastor. Folks that don't spend time with their family. Shouting and dancing all over the church. Don't give. No compassion. And folks that come to the church that is used to this foolishness, we know how to, we know how to step around. Like, you know, ignore that right there. <laughs> yeah, we know he's still struggling. It's okay, just step over that. Because we used to doing it. But if I'm new here and I don't know how to do that, if I've been hurt by previous churches and I come here and your stuff look just like the last one I left, When I show up to your church, and this is what I see with fresh eyes. You sitting right there in the middle of all this foolishness just because of you, this is normal. Why would I want that? This makes it hard. This makes it difficult. Because your life should match up to what your calling is. I should be able to see. If you say this is a house of love, I should be able to see it. Not a phony and fake love. Not something that looks good as long as the lights are on and somebody taking a picture. This is what we do as churches right now. We just walk around with making it hard. We can't be that church. Here's what the Bible says about making things different. In 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, this is Paul speaking. He says, we are careful in what we teach so that our words won't be a stumbling block and so that no one will discredit our ministry. We're careful in what we teach. We don't just let anything come out of our mouths. If we don't know, we say, I don't know. Because what I don't want to do is misspeak for God and then it discredits my ministry. I don't want to say things or teach things that would cause you to fall or stumble because I'm teaching something that's not in alignment with God. But this is also the reason why the church, those of you that are here, also need to be studiers of the word. Why? So that you can check and make sure Pastor Jay ain't lying to you. The days we're just walking in blindly into church and believing everything that's said, those should have been over a long time ago, you all. The Bible says a study to show yourself approved. I'm doing the best I can to study. Why? Because I hope some of you are out there studying as well, and I don't want you to have to come to me and be like, Pastor Jay, that ain't what the Bible says. Because that's a stumbling block. There's another scripture here in Romans chapter 14. Paul again says, so let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. To live in such a way that you will not cause a believer to stumble and fall. How you live can cause someone to fall. So you should purposely live your life in a way that will not do that. Paul says this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. Jesus, again, out of his lips says, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's how Jesus feels about us making things difficult. 
She said, it'd be better for you. You know what you should, what you should rather do? Rather than you pick up one of these and make somebody trip over it, it'd be better for you to wrap a whole millstone around your neck and just jump off over in the ocean. Jesus said, it would be better for you to suffer that fate than what I'm going to do to you if you're causing people to stumble. So understanding this, we get it. This is what we tend to do. We know that our mission here at Journey is to make it easy. We recognize from the scripture that's really where it comes from is the book of Acts and James saying we shouldn't be making it difficult. So how, Pastor Jay, do we make it easy? Well, thank you for asking. I want you to know that it starts by walking worthy of your calling. This is where it has to start. We have to walk worthy of the calling that we have on us. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, it says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Okay? 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 12, because I got scripture for you. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider Worthy. Okay, Philippians, got another one, chapter 1, verse 27. He says, above all, above all, above everything, more than anything else I have said, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Another version, which is the message version, states it this way. It says in Philippians 1, 27 through 30, Live in such a way that you are a credit to the message of Christ. Stand united, singular in vision, contending for people's trust in the message, the good news. Paul is pleading with us to live our lives, to walk it out in a way that is worthy of our calling because we are literally contending for people's trust in God. See, there's a misunderstanding. My wife and I, we talk about this all the time, that we think churches have gotten arrogant. I used to grow up hearing that phrase, the church don't compete with nobody. The church don't compete with nothing. I'm like, are you crazy? The church is competing with everything. Do you see what's out here? Do you know what all people could be doing? Are we recognizing the fact that the church is in competition? We're in competition with the world. We're in competition with Satan contending for their faith, contending for their trust. The word contending implies a struggle. It, it implies there's a fight happening. There's a rivalry. A rivalry means nothing. Y'all look, we the Packers and the Bears ain't had a rivalry in a long time. You got to win sometimes for there to be a rivalry. Oh, it's a showdown. No, it's not. It's a beatdown. That's different. No. So if we're talking about contending for people's trust in God's word, that implies there's a battle going on in which the other side can win. So how can we stand here as a church? Oh, we don't compete against nothing. Are you, are you serious? So now you're not going to innovate. Now you're not going to move things forward. Now you think what you've been doing for the last 50 years is good enough for the next 50. Are you crazy? Things have changed. And you know who's changing with it? Everybody else. The church can't be Sears. The church can't be JCPenney. Amazon came out and they were like, oh, we good. We're going to keep sending these magazines out. Okay. 
you can do your little mail order and we'll get it to you within the next two to three weeks. Okay, Amazon was like, order it this morning, we'll have it to you tonight. You better recognize that you're in competition. And if you can't compete against what you're competing against, you will go out of business. The church is competing for souls. And Satan is not playing games. He is on his job, as my grandfather said, 24-7. But we've gotten arrogant and lazy, and that's a bad combination. Now, if you're arrogant, but you're good, or if you're lazy, but at least you're nice, <laughs> but you can't be arrogant and lazy. We can't be that church. So Paul is pleading with us to live this life worthy of our calling. And here's the text that I really want to focus on today. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. And it says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. That's a big thing right there. You have been called by not Pastor Jay, God. Not your spouse, not your job, not your children, not whoever you're dating. You've been called by God. And he says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is for, anytime you see for, because. Here's why these things are true. Because there is one body one spirit, and you've been called to one glorious hope for the future.